Don't worry about anything but in everything by prayer and petition. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Thanks for joining us today. This is the Hour of Intercession. I'm Pastor Joseph Parker. We invite you to look with us in the Word of God to begin with in the book of Exodus. Exodus chapter 20, beginning at verse 1. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children, to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing mercy to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work, you nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, nor his male servant, nor his female servant, nor his ox, nor his donkey, nor anything that is your neighbor's. Verses 1 through 17, Exodus chapter 20. Father, thank you, Lord, for the wisdom, the power, the grace that rests upon your word. Thank you for the many ways that your word empowers us as we hear your wisdom and your counsel and as we live it, as we preach and teach it, as we share it as the moral law and the guide and the counsel that it carries and and has for us, not just as individuals, but as families, as communities, states, nations, and, and throughout the world. Help us to fall more in love with you and with your word and help us to become much more faithful hearers and doers of your word. Thank you, Father, for us as the church. Thank you for us as a nation, Lord. Help us, both the church and, the, and as a nation, help us, Lord, to put you first. Help us, Lord, to make no graven images. Help us, Lord, to not take your name in vain. Help us, Lord, to remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Help us, Lord, to honor our fathers and our mothers. Help us, Lord, to not murder. Help us to not commit adultery. Help us to not steal. Help us to tell the truth. Help us to not covet. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Thank you again for listening to the Hour of Intercession. Again, I'm Pastor Joseph Parker. Our producer is Isaac Jackson, and we do appreciate you listening in. Once again, my email is joseph at afr.net. Again, that's joseph at afr.net. And I would like to mention to our listeners, we do have a special project that we're working on. Uh, And for now, the title is The Christian Family at War. Again, The Christian Family at War. It's a project that has to do with helping to provide spiritual insight and guidance to families in effectively doing spiritual warfare. If you'd like more information about this or would like to know more about how you might can actually contribute to this project or just want more information about it, 
notes, email me and just let me know. I'd like more information about it. I'd like to be of help or connect to the project. Again, the Christian Family at War. Simply email me, joseph at afr.net. We'd be glad to plug you in, and we'd be glad to have you participate and be a part of this project if you so desire. Again, once again, my email, joseph at afr.net. We are honored to have as our phone guest today, Brian Westbrook. He's the executive director of the ministry organization Coalition Life based in St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, Brian, how are you today? I'm doing great, Pastor Parker. Uh, It's an honor to be on the program. Honored to have you. And uh, again, uh, would mention it's always a, a unique blessing to have believers that are warriors for the kingdom of God that especially involved with the important work of standing boldly for life and against the tragedy of abortion. Uh, Brian, as we begin, would you take um, uh, a moment? F- uh, first, I'm going to ask you just to introduce yourself, and in a few moments I'm going to ask you to pray for our listeners that they would have ears to hear all the Lord would have them to hear. But would you take a moment first to further introduce yourself and Coalition Life so uh, listeners will learn what the mission and the work of a ministry like Coalition Life is all about and how they can get in touch with you? Well, uh, again, thank you for having me uh, on the broadcast, and thank you for all of your listeners. It's uh, really an honor to be uh, with you all today. Uh, I mean, you, you asked me to introduce myself, so I'll start with uh, my beautiful family. I have seven uh, beautiful children. The oldest is 15. The youngest is uh, four weeks old. Uh, so the house is very full, and uh, we we have a lot of fun at home. My wife is a saint. She... Um, homeschools all of the children and uh, takes care of them so that I can do the, the difficult uh, pro-life work uh, out on the streets. And uh, it's been a great teamwork uh, over the last 17 years. Uh, so um, for, for all the, the husbands out there listening, you know, go home and give your, your wife a, a kiss and hug. Make sure that you tell her that you love her. Um, it's a huge it's a huge deal, and it makes a, a big difference uh, when you appreciate your wives. They, um, they do a lot, um, absolutely. Um, so that's kind of my home life. I was born and raised in St. Louis, met my wife here, and uh, we still live here in St. Louis, Missouri, uh, in where I went um, and uh, was working in a local engineering firm. And um, the, the backstory of the ministry um, was when my now 15-year-old was born, um, uh, he became ill a few weeks after uh, we took him home, uh, and eventually he stopped breathing. We took him to the hospital frantically. He got a helicopter ride to the nearest children's hospital, uh, and we spent seven days in ICU. And uh, at that moment, I understood, uh, well, it wasn't until a few moments later, but when we, when we reached there, we were in shock. Um, but as I looked at this tiny little baby as a young father, brand new father, I realized how incredibly frail human life is and how in an instant we can take it away or in an instant it can be taken away from us uh, through illness or disease or, or anything like that. Um, and, and in that moment, God kind of grabbed a hold of me. I went down to a prayer chapel and said, God, take care of my little boy and I'll rededicate my life to you. And generally he gets the better half of that bargain. So uh, <laughs> be careful what you pray for. My wife says, be careful if you pray for patience because God will give you so many things to be patient about. Mm-hmm. But um, 
so that story happened, and we we learned about uh, a thing called 40 Days for Life, which is you know prayer and fasting in front of these abortion facilities nationwide and now internationally. We started doing that, uh, you know, soon after this occurrence, and it got a lot of traction. So many people came out. We had seven confirmed babies who were saved in a 40-day time frame. We were on cloud nine because God was answering our prayers. Uh, and for two and a half years, we continued to do that, just as volunteers, throwing it together, hoping for the best. Mm-hmm. And uh, after that time frame, we were tired. Two and a half years of pulling together over 2,500 volunteers. That was a lot of work behind the scenes. And so we decided we would form a brand new organization. I quit my job, uh, my engineering job, and left uh, a month and a half before we even told anybody. Built an entire organization. Now here we are 11 years later uh, with an organization uh, operating both a pregnancy center in St. Louis, Missouri, Uh, and Sidewalk Counseling in Illinois and uh, Fairview Heights, which is right on the other side of the river, Uh, a group up in Chicago and uh, a group down in Carbondale, Illinois. And we just announced that we're going to do Sidewalk Counseling in Kansas City. Uh, And uh, what sets us apart from a lot of other groups is that we have professionalized Sidewalk Counseling and they have consistent and ongoing training on a daily or weekly basis uh, they are paid staff members uh, or highly trained volunteers uh, who are joining us out on these sidewalks in front of these abortion facilities. So that's the nutshell, long, short version of our story, uh, and it's uh, it's a pleasure to share it with you. All right. Well, thank you for sharing that. Um, I'm going to ask, Brian, would you take a moment now specifically to pray for our listeners to have ears to hear what all the Lord would say to them through this broadcast today. Absolutely. Lord Jesus, we, we ask you to uh, come into this broadcast. We know that you are here with us. We know that uh, we're two or more gathered. There you are. And uh, we know that you, you foresaw technology. So you know that, uh, that uh, even through technology, we are gathering together uh, to be here and speak your name, Jesus. Uh, into the microphone, into our hearts, and we ask that you uh, would deliver our messages. Whatever needs to be said, whatever we need to hear, whatever words are said, um, that it, that they're yours and that you speak through us. Uh, and, and as we leave today, as we you know turn off the broadcast and go about our day and take care of our families or the work or other things that are important, that um, this would you know ring through. Uh, and whatever it is, whether it be pro-life things or whether it be just day-to-day, that you, you would ultimately be in the, the forefront of what we do and guide our ever single actions. And thank you, thank you for being here. Thank you for technology, and thank you for the listeners who are here uh, to join us today. And Father, I too thank you for the uh, privilege of having uh, Brian on with us today. And Lord, thank you once again for your wonderful grace and your mercy and the fact that you did have Roe v. Wade to be overturned. And we thank you and we praise you for that wonderful and blessed milestone. Lord, more and more, open our eyes as the church to recognize that though we're grateful that imp- for that important milestone, there's so much more work to be done 
in view of the fact that tragically there's still legalized abortion happening in our nation. Lord, open the eyes and the ears and the hearts of every listener to be wide open to what you would say to each and every one of them as Brian shares about the work that he and Coalition Life are doing as well as some of the issues that face us as the church. Help us to seek to ask the same question that the Apostle Paul asked you right after you got saved. Lord, what do you want me to do? Lord, help us to be wide open to whatever it is you're calling us to do, whether it would be simply a bold witness for the kingdom and for life, but also you're calling many to become financial supporters of works like Coalition Life and other ministries that are out there on the front lines helping to save babies and save women and save families as well. Uh, But then there are those that would are called to become sidewalk counselors and others who are called to do other background work or volunteer work. Some are called to become volunteers at pregnancy clinics. Others are called to be involved in helping to develop legislation that can help in the tragedy of abortion or come against it in some way or another. Help us, Lord, to be, again, listening all the time for whatever it is you're calling us to do and help us to never have a sideline mentality, one of thinking, well, Lord, the Lord doesn't need me. He uses the superstars. Help us to know, Lord, that as we follow you, by you, by your grace, as we obey and follow you, you make us superstars in your kingdom as we just simply obey your word and step into your eternal purposes. We thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. Well, Brian, if someone wants to get in touch with you or get in touch with Coalition Life, how can they do that? Uh, sure, they would do that through our website, just coalitionlife.com, coalitionlife.com, or they can always call us on the phone, 314-827-4039, uh, <laughs> 314-827-4039. Okay. Um, blank there for a moment. <laughs> All righty. Uh, well, uh, we're, we're coming up on a break, and we'll pick up on the other side. Our phone guest today is Brian Westbrook. He is the executive director of Coalition Life. We'll be right back. listening to the Hour of Intercession here on American Family Radio. 
Our phone guest today is Brian Westbrook. He's the executive director of Coalition Life based in St. Louis, Missouri. And Brian, as we begin this segment, uh, you were wanting to share about an issue, uh, a real issue, area of challenge that's going on in the state of Illinois. If you'll dive right in and share with our listeners what exactly is going on that you're wanting to talk about. Absolutely. Um, so uh, recently was signed by uh, Governor Pritzker, uh, a bill called SB 1909. Uh, and what this does, uh, in a nutshell, it calls out pregnancy centers, uh, the 100-plus pro-life groups in the state of Illinois, uh, just like the 3,000, 4,000 other groups around the country, uh, who just care for women, provide diapers and wipes and uh, you know, ultrasounds, pregnancy tests, uh, these organizations who just simply serve clients. But it calls these groups out as being deceptive. Uh, and it does it in a very generic and broad way, in a sense that it gives the Attorney General of the state of Illinois uh, full jurisdiction about what the um, pregnancy centers can and also cannot say or must say in a case of omitting data. So, for instance, uh, it, it says in there that the attorney general uh, has the power to determine whether or not uh, factual data was omitted while meeting with the pregnancy center. Well, a piece of factual data that we do not want to share is where is the nearby ab- abortion facility? How can I get an abortion? What's the phone number for the nearby abortion facility? Well, as as loving pro-life Christians, we are not going to do that. We're bound by, by moral law not to send them to the nearby abortion facility. Um, in addition to that, they shared a lot of things like statistics about uh, the, the connection between uh, abortion and, and breast cancer or other breast cancer means. Now, uh, there's even some debate among pro-lifers, but it is a potential risk of getting breast cancer following an abortion uh, or, um, or some things about fertility challenges you might have after abortion or emotional challenges you might have about after abortion or an increase for suicide or depression after an abortion. Um, these kind of things, the Attorney General and those in the Illinois Assembly, and of course Governor Pritzker, these types of things they think are not factual at all and have no basis in the conversation with a woman who's considering abortion. Um, you know, even if we have debate about them, but that's okay. It's okay for us to have a debate about these types of things. But what Illinois is saying is you can't. You can't even talk about these things otherwise. That's deceptive. Mm. You know, it's tragic that we live in a culture where too many times you see evil attempting to do things in an institutionalized evil being done in high places. And very often the very deception and wickedness that they're carrying out, they're trying to accuse somebody else of doing, whereas in reality... Again, they're the ones doing it. And, of course, the reality is those that are pro-choice are extremely deceptive, extremely wicked, and and they do great harm, yet they try to say that's just not the case. So how tragic that that that's just what's going on in our culture in so many instances. So, but uh, how – oh, sorry, go go ahead. ahead. Please go ahead. Well, uh, one final thing before you ask your next question. I apologize. But – one of the things, I mean, we're talking about Illinois, 
But um, Illinois, uh, this law and what the lawsuit, uh, so we're, we're part of a group called NIFLA. And uh, so NIFLA has um, uh, sued the state of Illinois and the attorney general over uh, this specific bill. And uh, hopefully that that lawsuit goes through and uh, is clearly unconstitutional because it violates our both our religious rights and also our First Amendment rights of free speech. Um, but I think it, if, in fact, there's a loss in the courts, this has ramifications across the entire country, not just for abortion, but for all of our religious freedoms, for all of our abilities to speak the gospel, to speak into you know, the truth about what sin is. Um, you know, a, a question was asked of, a, of the legislature, if a pregnancy center called abortion a sin, is that deceptive? And their answer was, well, it's a case-by-case basis. And like mm. uh, us as you know, Christians who want to stand up for our faith and stand with these women uh, who are struggling, who just need some support, uh, we want to talk truth into that. Mm-hmm. And if we can't, um, we're, uh, the, the penalty is a $50,000 fine uh, and a loss of business license. Mm. You know, it reminds me of the fact that, for example, in Genesis chapter 3, the devil told Adam and Eve, you will not die. In other words, <laughs> it just flat out lied. And the fact is, he's still doing the same thing through people that work for him. They're just lying about issues and concerns that deal with people. And it's such a need for us as the church to to boldly speak the truth and stand on the truth because we have a God that backs us up. But the reality is there's there's so much deception in our culture that comes across in so many ways that you have people that sometimes they're calling evil good and good evil and how tragic Mm -hmm. that is. So, well, how, Brian, would you like, how would you encourage listeners to pray about this issue? What is the most effective way, would you say, we have to pray about a matter like this. Absolutely. Um, I, first and foremost, pray for the lawmakers and the judges and the attorneys uh, and everyone involved with the legal battle. Um, so, uh, of course, uh, it was signed into law uh, not long ago, and uh, only about an hour later, uh, there was a lawsuit filed by our good friends with the Thomas More Society. Um, we we love our friends up there in Chicago. Chicago uh, from Thomas More Society. If you're uh, if you're wanting to support a really solid um, pro-life legal group, Thomas More Society, you, you can't get much better than them. They're they're pretty incredible. Mm-hmm. And so pray for them. Pray for everyone involved. I know they're working on you know a hundred plus different cases, but this one being very critical to our religious freedoms and our uh, First Amendment rights to be able to talk into this this issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, so pray for them. Uh, pray for the pregnancy centers themselves. Um, there, there's a chilling effect when this happens. So even if at the end of the day the, the courts decide, well, no, this is obnoxious and they throw it out, but those who volunteer, those who donate to those who work in these pregnancy centers or other pro-life groups, um, there's a chilling effect, a real chilling effect on these individuals. Mm-hmm. And, and we're going to pray for boldness. 
for for these groups who said this is a big fat ugly lie, mm-hmm. and we're going to just stand here boldly to continue to sell, tell the truth, uh, even when we're facing fines of tens of thousands of dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, and then finally, for for the women that we serve and their families, and, and for the men uh, who all the time get kicked to the sideline and told that they don't matter mm-hmm. in this conversation, uh, I think men in our country need to stand up and say, no, I will support you. Instead, the vast majority of the time, uh, the comment you get from the gentleman is that, well, it's your decision. I'll support you wherever or however you want. Mm-hmm. When really she desires so much for for a man to come side by side with her and say, I'll support you. I'll support you and our child together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so uh, pray for the men and the women involved in these decisions because they're under a massive amount of stress uh, from both our society and also family members and, and others. So uh, those three specific groups. Mm-hmm. Okay. Father, we thank you again for the opportunity you give us as the church to stand in faith with you for the your will and your word to go forth, Lord Father, pour out upon the church of the Lord Jesus Christ and pour out upon these pro-life warriors the spirit of boldness in the name of Jesus. Help us, Lord, to boldly stand on the truth. Help us to boldly speak the truth and help us to boldly support the truth in every way you'd have us to. In Jesus' name, stir us to recognize, Lord, that when we speak the truth, you will always use that in every circumstance, whether we see the result or not. Help us to realize, Lord, that you call us to follow you boldly, absolutely every single day. There's no place in the kingdom of God for timidity. Help us to recognize, Lord, that you use those that will stand up for truth in so many wonderful ways. Help us all to choose to be that kind of servant, a bold servant that's willing to stand up and speak truth in any and every circumstance. Father, more and more, raise up Christian men, godly men, who recognize what it means to be a Christian man, who who hears truth, reads and meditates on truth, truth, and lives truth. Help men to recognize, Lord, that, again, we as men are called to stand up and stand for life and against abortion. More and more, Father, move upon men to recognize that it's never your will for them to support the killing of their own children, that every life matters. Every life has a purpose ordained by you. And every life is important. Help us to know, Lord, that it's not an honorable man that will say, oh, I'll support you if, if you just choose to terminate the child. I'll, I'll support you, whatever you do. Help us to know, Lord, that's not a godly and honorable response. Just as Brian mentioned, help us to know that our responsibility is to say, yes, we will support her and the child as well, their child. Lord, help us to be biblical in our perspective and our understanding of what it means to be a godly man whose life and perspective and thoughts are based on the wisdom and counsel of your powerful eternal word. Thank you for the opportunity. And more and more, help us as the church to delve more into these topics and issues that we would get a clear biblical understanding of what honors you and what doesn't honor you, what glorifies you and what does not glorify you. Help us more and more to be a church that is clearly standing on the side of the Word of God and help us to avoid ever finding ourselves 
on the opposite side of your word or your will as it relates to the life issue or any other issue as well. We thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. 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 Uh, Brian, once again, if someone wants to get in touch with Coalition Life or learn more about uh, this organization, this ministry, tell them again how they can do that. Absolutely. You can uh, reach us at coalitionlife.com, coalitionlife.com, or give us a call at 314-827-4039, All right. Well, Brian, you were talking about this uh, legislation that uh, is, is being used in the state of Illinois. Tell us about Missouri. How is Missouri different from Illinois these days? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we started our ministry here in Missouri, and uh, before I even got involved, um, from the moment Roe versus Wade uh, was handed down by the Supreme Court, uh, which, by the way, Roe versus Wade didn't just quote create a right for abortion. They they created the moment where they we can support both her to choose or to not choose abortion. Uh, So it's interesting that uh, she has a fundamental right to not choose uh, abortion. Uh, So back on your real question, which is about uh, what happened in 1973 uh, in the state of Missouri was that uh, groups rallied together very, very quickly uh, and decided to set up groups, uh, for instance, Missouri Right to Life, and also uh, the Respect Life Apostolate of uh, the St. Louis Archdiocese and numerous other groups who were created very quickly uh, following the Roe versus Wade decision. And so we had a, a pretty big head start moving uh, the needle down um, with regards to the pro-life uh, challenges we had in front of us. So legislation was being passed left and right, uh, parish coordinators being created. Uh, we are going out to abortion facilities uh, that existed in the state of Missouri. And in 1984, uh, it was the height of all abortions. They had 20,000 abortions in Missouri in 1984. Uh, following that year, year after year after year, uh, the, it has declined until the year prior to the Dobbs decision. So an entire 12 months prior to the Dobbs decision, uh, the regulation and protections for women in Missouri, including a 72-hour waiting period, an ultrasound that's required, uh, along with uh, insurances that the abortion facility did not want to carry uh, that protect the woman and her child, these types of things were critical in the education of women who are considering abortion, not to mention... The, uh, the pregnancy centers, over 75 pregnancy centers in the state of Missouri uh, that qualify for a 70% tax credit. So, so donors are able to give much more generously than they could uh, without the tax credit. So that's a huge deal in Missouri. So all of this comes to a head a year before Dobbs' decision, and Planned Parenthood decided to move out of the state Brian, I'm going to have to jump in right here, and we'll pick up there on the other side. Our phone guest today is Brian Westbrook. He's the executive director of Coalition Life in in St. Louis, Missouri. We'll be right back.
Mosaic with Tremble. Thanks for listening to the Hour of Intercession here on American Family Radio. Our phone guest today is Brian Westbrook. He's the executive director of Coalition Life based in St. Louis, Missouri. Brian, if you'll pick up right there where you left off, please. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Again, thanks for having me on the call. Um, So in Missouri, uh, there was a a, a tidal wave of pro-life activity for the last 45, 50 years, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm coming in on the back end of all of this, excited about all the, that was happening here, uh, setting up 40 Days for Life prayer vigils in front of these remaining abortion facilities, setting up sidewalk counseling and the opportunity to talk to women as they drive in, uh, starting a pregnancy center so that we can work with them throughout their entire pregnancy and beyond. Uh, and the year before the Dobbs decision comes down, uh, Planned Parenthood, the last remaining abortion facility, decides that they're going to move all of their abortions out of the state to Illinois. And they did a handful of abortions, only 50 abortions in the entire year um, uh, prior to the Dobbs decisions, just because they were suing the state of Missouri. So they needed some kind of standing. They had to still call themselves an abortion facility, so they did about 50 abortions in the state of Missouri, coming from 1984, 20,000 abortions, down to roughly 50 abortions or so um, prior to the Dobbs decision. So when the Dobbs decision came down from the Supreme Court, it was only 10 minutes later that our attorney uh, general signed a trigger ban on abortions, and Missouri became the very first abortion-free state legally Mm. uh, in the union. So we're excited about what's happening in Missouri. Mm. Well, praise God. Praise God just for God's people in the state of Missouri that were about their father's business in standing for life. Father, thank you, Lord, again for your faithful servants in all the places you've placed them and called them to. Lord, more and more stir us to be your faithful vessels wherever you'd have us to be, 
diligently being about your work, being about the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. 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 Brian, I want to ask if you'll share uh, this, you know, like, uh, again, uh, if you'll real briefly before you dive into this, uh, there might be there might be a few listeners, most probably do, but there might be a few listeners who are thinking to themselves, what is a pregnancy clinic? Would you share what what a pregnancy clinic actually is? And then I want you to share some stories or testimonials that help illustrate why the work of pregnancy clinics is so critical and why their frontline work is so important in our culture today. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, pregnancy centers have been around uh, since, you know, not long after Roe versus Wade, but they came very popular in the 1990s. Uh, and, you know, popular names like Karenet, Heartbeat, or even Birthright uh, are some popular names of these pregnancy centers around the nation. Uh, we, you know, called ours Women's Care Connect is what we call our pregnancy center. Uh, but there's a lot of them around the country who are named all kinds of things. But uh, primarily at the core of what they do is they provide ongoing assistance for women considering abortion. Uh, so, for instance, uh, a, a woman walks in the door and says, I just can't pay my rent payment. I can't pay my car payments, my phone bills. Uh, I, I just can't make it through these things. And uh, a group of volunteers normally, uh, but also sometimes it has a full-blown staff, comes around them and says, we can support you. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll do diaper drives. We'll do, um, you know, fundraising drives so that we can help make these bill payments for you and then support you throughout your pregnancy, pregnancy and also beyond. And many of these uh, centers are going to continue to serve them a year, two years after the child is born as well. Now, what do we do on the front end, though? Many of the pregnancy centers are now medical pregnancy centers. So uh, you can get a free pregnancy test at many of these centers around the entire nation. Uh, also an ultrasound uh, for free as well. So one of the things, and um, our friends over at the Knights of Columbus, they're leading the way with ultrasound. In, in Missouri, they bought over 45 ultrasound machines in Missouri placing them at all of these different pregnancy centers around Missouri. I think Texas was the only one close, about 45 or 50 ultrasounds in Texas as well. These machines that they're placing right there in front of uh, or, or at these pregnancy centers. So that, that woman can walk into the door within an hour. She's able to get a pregnancy test and also get a picture of her baby on that screen, and she gets to meet that baby. Uh, and, and we're glad to have uh, you know, nurses being able to do this around the country. Uh, so if you're a nurse who has any kind of you know, background in doing that, pregnancy centers are a great place for you to help to save babies. Uh, also, they do uh, sometimes peer-to-peer -peer counseling, professional counseling, or what we do is we don't do uh, professional coaching. And so this coaching really draws out of them how they feel about this abortion and how, um, how they're making this decision process. Um, so that's from the financial perspective and also the medical perspective. But I think one of the things we kind of discount here sometimes is that so many of these women, there was a study that just came out that 70% of women uh, felt somehow, some way that they were being forced, pressured, whether it be through social uh, pressures or through family pressures or financial pressures. But there's other pressures pushing them into this abortion. 
so 30% said, no, nothing else impacted me. It was just, I just wanted the abortion. But most of the women say there were other pressures, including abusive boyfriends and, um, and also parents who might be forcing them or pressuring them into this. Mm-hmm. So we need to address those uh, as well inside of these centers. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thanks for sharing that, though. Do you have a story or two before our time ends that you could share that just illustrate the very things you're talking about? Absolutely. Well, uh, one of my favorite stories that illustrates the importance of sidewalk counseling and uh, the pregnancy centers and how they work together. Uh, and uh, sidewalk counseling is, is not your old-time sidewalk counseling where you might have this image that the media might throw out that says that people just yell and scream and hold nasty signs and just are, we're, we're just mean people. No, we are very professional and strategic and loving and prayerful when we go out into those, uh, in front of those abortion facilities. And so uh, we're out there every single day that these places are open and we're handing out information about our pregnancy center and other pregnancy centers nearby. And, uh, and this was about a year ago now. And uh, we were working with numerous clients, and we handed a brochure to, to a client, and she went in anyways. And uh, that your, your heart kind of just drops, because uh, many times, uh, you know, probably once or twice per day, we're going to get a woman to leave immediately right in front of that abortion facility, just by hold, handing her a brochure, offering her hope and love. But one of these clients, she didn't turn around. She didn't leave. She went right into that abortion facility. And she made a decision at that point, based on the conversation with the abortion staff, she's not going to do it. But she didn't tell us about it. So she went home. We reached out to her through our pregnancy center and said, um, you know, we know we met you in front of the abortion facility, wondering if uh, we can help you in any way, shape, or form. She says, no, 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 I'm I'm not going to do it. Well, four weeks go by. And she, we, our pregnancy center received a text message from this young lady that said, I'm in the abortion facility. Can you help me? Because what happened is in that time frame, the mother, her mother, granted, this girl is 14 years old. Her mother discovers the pregnancy. She, she was probably, you know, <laughs> complaining about morning sickness or other things. But finally, she confides in her mother that she is pregnant. And her mother takes her back to the abortion facility. And, and as this young girl, frankly, cries her eyes out, the mother says she has to get this abortion. And they force her to take the first set of pills. So in a, in a pill abortion or chemical abortion, which is now the vast majority of abortions, over 50% of uh, abortions are now done by chemicals mm-hmm. that basically starve or poison the child. Um, she now goes home, has the first set of pills she's just taken, texting our team, because it's all about technology now. Most of these, these individuals are going to use text. She goes home. What am I do? What am I to do? And they basically said, do not take the second pill. And so she agreed to come to uh, our nearby pregnancy center, work with our doctors, and used a drug called progesterone to reverse the first set of pills and ultimately save the life of that child. It's, it's my single, 
greatest story. It's, it's the, the working of both the sidewalk consulates, the pregnancy centers, and also a group called Abortion Pill Reversal. It's the story, and it's also on a minor, mm-hmm. and it's just incredible. But this is not really unique. This happens every single day across our entire nation at thousands of pregnancy centers who do this work every single day. And the beauty of of this, of course, is the child is born. Mm -hmm. And, of course, mom and grandma and everyone involved is excited about this baby. Mm -hmm. Uh, So uh, God does take control, and we're glad that he does. Mm. So that baby was born then? Absolutely. Baby was born. Uh, mother is doing great, grandmother is doing great, uh, and they all wanted to support this child. Um, but it, it took it took a pregnancy center and other people of faith to intervene and say, hold on, slow down, let's talk about this. And some brilliant doctors who, who were able to then create this, this strategy called abortion pill reversal uh, to ultimately save that child's life. Uh, before she took the second set of pills. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Brian, for sharing that beautiful story. Praise God, and praise God that the Spirit of God uses people to do great work like that. Well, as we normally do before we end the broadcast, if you're listening today and you've never made the eternally important step of inviting Jesus Christ to come into your heart as Lord and Savior, today is a great day to be saved. If you'd like to make that step, would you simply from your heart pray this prayer with me and invite Jesus Christ to be your Lord and your Savior. Invite him into your life. Would you pray this with us now? Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me so much that you came into this world a long time ago. You lived. You died on the cross to pay for all my sins and all the wrong things I've done. Three days later, you rose up from the dead so that I could be saved. Lord, I confess I've sinned and done wrong in many, many ways. Lord, I repent and I turn from all the wrong I've done. Forgive me, Lord, for all the wrong things I've done. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Be the Lord and Savior of my life. In your word, you told us, Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Lord, right now I'm calling on your name. Lord, save me. Fill me with your spirit. Help me to follow you all my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you prayed that prayer, we're very much wanting to connect with you. Once again, my email is joseph at afr.net. Again, that's joseph at afr.net. Please get in touch with us. We'd like to share with you some literature and resources that will help you to begin to grow and grow up strong and vibrant in your new relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Once again, joseph at afr.net. Again, our phone guest has been Brian Westbrook. Brian, if someone wants to get in touch with you or learn more about Coalition Life, once again, tell them how they can do that. Sure. Coalitionlife.com, coalitionlife.com, or 314-827-4039. All right, Brian, thanks so much for being with us today. Thank you for being a part of our listening family. Please pray much for the Ministry of Coalition Life and other pregnancy ministers that are out there on the front lines doing the work of standing for life and helping to end the tragedy of abortion. Thanks for listening. Join us again next time for the Hour of Intercession.
The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast do not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.